0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. In today's episode, I was able to have a really interesting conversation with Brad Jensen, who is also known as the Sober Bodybuilder on Instagram. We dove deep into Brad's story around um, addiction, around recovery, And just his story on how he's gotten to where he is today, running a very successful business and coming from basically the bottom, coming from addiction, coming from a place to where he was living homeless for a long time, and how he was able to go from that to where he is today, to where, um, like I said, has a very successful business, he's married, he has um, a beautiful baby boy, and just living a happy life and a fulfilled life, coming from a place to where... It looked like he didn't have a whole lot of potential, and that's what I really liked about this episode because I haven't talked about it a lot, but I come from a family with addiction background, so I have a lot of experience with it. I've never personally had problems with addiction myself, but I've grown up with loved ones around it. I grew up in it with experiences. And so it was just really cool to be able to have a conversation with him today to see where he started and where he was able to get now. And I think that it'll bring a lot of you guys a lot of value. And if anything, I think it just shows that you can literally start from anywhere and you can start creating change for yourself to get to wherever it is that you want to be, achieve whatever those goals are that you have for yourself. And just because you're in a bad place now, it doesn't mean that you have to be in a bad place forever. And Brad is a true testament of that. So I'm excited for you guys to get to listen to today's conversation. I'd be extremely grateful. I know Brad would as well. If you would take a screenshot of this show, put it on your IG story and go ahead and tag me at lost and lifting as well as tag Brad at the Suburb bodybuilder. And we'll make sure to send you guys messages personally, thanking you for doing so as well as we'll repost them on our story so that other people can see that you're getting value from this episode as well. So like I said, I'm excited for you guys to be able to listen. Let's just hop right in. Cool. Well, Brad, thank you so much for uh, joining me today, man. I'm, I'm super excited to get to have a conversation with you. Sweet, dude. Thanks
1: for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So uh, um, a funny story for you. My mom follows Jody Moore. I, I think you're probably familiar with who that is. My mom works. Yeah, yeah.
1: She's my client. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So my mom actually is kind of like a client of hers. So she's kind of in her group and my mom got introduced to you through Jody and started following along to all of your stuff and whatnot and like kind of has like this internet crush on you in a way which is kind of funny and so uh, when I told her that I was bringing you on um, like she got like all excited like thinking that I was getting to have a conversation with a celebrity today so <laughs> I thought that it was pretty funny man whenever like I'm posting content or anything like that like my mom's always tagging me in your stuff and being like look what Brad's doing you need to try to do this and that so it's pretty funny man I'm, I'm excited to get to talk with you my, uh, oh, my mom well, was excited your mom, too. I got a lot of love for her. I don't know her, but, uh, <laughs> that, she, she views me much differently than I really am. <laughs> She, uh, yeah, she'll absolutely love that. I'm sure that she's listening too, man. But but yeah, um, you live just in in the Salt Lake area, right? You're located in Utah? Correct, yeah. Cool. I'm actually right in Cache Valley, so just a little bit oh, north from you.
1: Right on. Okay, yeah.
0: Have you always been up there? Or have you always right. been at down? I guess it's down from here, but in Salt Lake?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I currently live in Draper. So yeah, I've always kind of been in the Salt Lake County area. So I was born and raised, so yeah.
0: Awesome, man. That's, um, that's really cool. I know that obviously your name on Instagram is the sober bodybuilder, right? So like you've, you've, um, dealt with a lot of addiction through your life as well and, and worked through addiction and things like that for you, which I think is super cool. I grew up, um, my, my dad is an addict as well. And I grew up in like the AA meetings and whatnot with him. Like as a young kid, he was hauling me in and out of meetings with him, with like his sponsors, things like that. So, um, I wow. thought it, I thought it was cool like with your like just your story and how like you kind of add that into your branding and whatnot as it as it's a huge part of your life
1: right on man so you yeah yeah that's how i got sober was uh 3a and uh you know now that i got a little boy i'm like you know i wonder if i uh, dragged him to some meetings had he been born uh, a lot earlier he for sure would have been in a lot of meetings with me but <laughs> that's cool right on
0: yeah man it's um it is cool like for me like AA and that sort of stuff. Like, obviously, I, I was never an addict or I've never really struggled with that kind of stuff. My family has, for sure, and my dad. And, like, growing up and going through that with him, like, it taught me a lot, like, seeing him have leaders and him having sponsors that worked with him and seeing him sponsor other people and kind of lead people, um, just guide them and help coach them through different life scenarios, their struggles and whatnot. It's kind of similar as to what we do in a way too, right? Like, that's what I, I, I wanted to ask you about. Like, is that where coaching kind of came from you? Is like that, that kind of where like, you found your knack and gravitated towards like nutrition coaching with others? Or how did those two things coincide? Or, or did they even coincide?
1: You know, what's interesting. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, I guess in a way, you know, I've never been asked that question. So that's a good question to kind of think about. Uh, So I got into personal training, I got certified uh, as a personal trainer. um, When I was still a senior in high school, I was just wrapping up. And so, um, you know, was doing that. But, you know, when I when I first started when I first got sober, um, this time and actually stayed sober, uh, I got into coaching, not because of like, you know, that relationship, because we'll call what it is. A sponsor in AA is a sober coach. He's just doing it for free because that's the best way he can continue to stay sober is to give back, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the payment. But, um, it's essentially what it is. It's accountability. It's application. It's, it's, um, education. It's, you know, the whole works. And so I did draw a pretty, pretty close parallel pretty soon. Um, as I got into coaching, um, nutrition coaching and when I was you know, I got back into it. And so I was probably 60 days sober. And I remember thinking, gosh, these, these weekly check-ins is just like when I meet with my sponsor, there's a lot. And I think it grew my testimony of it more. It wasn't why I got into coaching, but I do remember that I, I started to draw the dots and connect them together and was like, gosh, this is, I mean, this is helping save my life. So I think there's something to this coaching, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you hit on a a good point there at the first two, where you say like, um, this last time that, that you got sober too, right? Like it usually takes a few attempts. Like you don't go into it and just end up, end up saying, I'm going to get sober and just get sober. Like, it's kind of like that, that persistent mentality of, of trying it over and over and finally getting to a place where, where it works for you in your life. And I think that there's a lot of similarity for that. Like not the exact same. It's not the same implications as like as for people that work with fat loss too. But like having that persistent type mindset, like it might not work out the very first time that I try, but like staying consistent with it over time and persistent um gives you more of that mentality to be able to coach people through fat loss maybe to as to like that imperfectionist mindset. Yeah.
1: No, a hundred percent, you know, I can, I just, I just dropped a podcast kind of talking about the similarities and getting sober and getting fit. And there was a lot. And part of that is, you know, that I get what it's like to have all these false starts. I mean, you know, some people decide to get in shape or lose a bunch of weight. And the first time they decide they do it and they keep it off. That's not, that's the exception, not the rule. And it's just like with people with drugs and alcohol, there's, I have some people in my recovery community that got sober the first time they tried. And I was like, Oh, I think it was like attempt number, like 50 for me. I mean, probably real attempts, probably number 15, like serious, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to do this. Um, And, and you know, it finally stuck. So there is a lot of parallels, parallels between those two.
0: Did you, um, this, this is kind of personal, like, you don't have to answer this if you, if you don't want to, but like for you, was there like a a rock bottom Point for you, like when you decided, like it was time for you to get help, like going through it over and over. Like, what was that that shifting parallel for you that that pushed you to, like, say, okay, enough is enough?
1: Yeah, no, man. I'll answer anything, um, except for my social security number and my. Bed, so <laughs> I won't give those. Issues, but outside of that, I'm pretty much an open <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know, and I've and I've. Uh, you know, I've shared this story before on, on different podcasts, because it it was the, uh, it was that, uh, it was that moment, you know, it was that, that they talk about it kind of being the gift of desperation, that gift where I was so desperate to do something different that I was willing to do something I was so terrified of doing. And quite frankly, didn't even know if I could. And, um, You know, what's interesting, that last year of my using all of 2012, my sobriety date is November 20th of 2012, and that last year from January until November, I didn't draw a single sober breath, and that really wasn't my story, my story for the decade prior of using drugs, and you know, I came from a good Mormon family, it wasn't supposed to happen to me, the whole kind of works, right? I mean, it wasn't like I was abused. I didn't have sexual trauma. I didn't have any real good reason that I decided to be a heroin addict. Like I believe sure. I was born and this was gonna be my challenge. I believe that now today. Um, and so I don't remember that whole year, um, I just kept using. And before it was like three months, four months, then something would intervene. My parents would send me to detox, I'd beg them to go to rehab. Um, I'd get arrested. There was, you know, something that would happen. So I'd go on these gnarly three to four month runs and then you know get get a breath of sobriety for a little bit and then go back and do it this time it just kept going my parents stopped uh talking to me and they put in boundaries and it was the best thing that ever happened to me um was them letting me hit my rock bottom but they uh that whole year was kind of a blur i remember bits and pieces of it um but the defining moment was i was i was uh My mother had called me on November 15th or something of that year. I don't remember the exact date. And informed me that my grandpa had passed away kind of unexpectedly. He was old, but he went pretty quick. And because I was out of the loop, I wasn't even aware that he was sick the prior week. And so, um, you know, she said, I'm going to come pick you up. I was living in some grungy motel. And we had to go up to Brigham City, Utah, actually, to the funeral. And so we were—I was—I was staying at this hotel in like South Salt Lake. I don't really remember. Um, so you know, it's a little bit of a drive. And she just said she knew I was an active heroin addict. She knew when I didn't have it, I had withdrawals. She knew when I had too much, I couldn't form a sentence. And she said, "If you please, can just be normal, like, like." And she knew that meant me being high. But she was just like, "Can you just do whatever you have to do to be right, like, just." I'm like oh that sweet spot mom isn't that cute I wish I could be there all the time too but and uh so of course I ran out of my drugs of course because I could never manage them so she picked me up and I'm withdrawing and I end up throwing up on her 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 car seat you know and um, I'm shaking I'm shivering and she's like I can't take you like this and she's crying and she said I don't want you to miss this like what do we have to do and I said you got to go by the dealer's house and I remember the exact drove drive we took and we get to the dealers. This is my mother who's, um, you know, a member of the LDS church at the time. And she had like a calling, like in the release society, like, and she's driving me to a dope house. Um, and so we get there and I ask her for money, which was just adding insult to injury. And so I go in, I get the drugs and, and the crazy part about all this is I remember all of this vividly. And I can't tell you what happened the prior week before that. I, I barely remember, barely remember any of it. So we go on and get the drugs and I come out. My mom said, we're going to be late now. And she's mad at this point. She said, just go in the back seat." So she knew I shot up heroin. She knew that she had just never watched it, obviously. So I'm in the backseat of her car and I pull out my spoon and needle and and lighter and I'm, I'm cooking up this shot of heroin and she's looking in the back seat and, and just tears start rolling down her face as she watches me attempt to hit a vein in my arm. And I can see her out of the corner of my eye looking in the rearview mirror and it was like, just I couldn't even like bear looking up. So I did it and um, I instantly of course felt better cause that's how heroin works. The minute it hit my blood, um, felt like a normal man. I was like, cool. And normally it would help numb me, but it didn't work. Like I looked up and I saw the tears just streaming down her face and I couldn't even, uh, you know, she didn't say a word. She just looked and it was just the, the look of absolute heartbreak on a mother's face. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I remember watching her cry. Like I remember it all like it was yesterday. And I remember in that moment, I said to myself and I was serious and I meant it. I had never really truly been suicidal out there for whatever reason. A lot of people got to that place. I didn't want to die. I just wanted the consequences to stop. And I thought you have two choices, Brad. You either need to kill yourself or you need to try to get, you need to give the sobriety thing one last chance. Like there was no, there was no other solution. Like to continue using like this was not an option. So it was either kill myself or actually try to do this. And um, it wasn't an easy decision, you know, but, um, you know, God intervened that night and I was, uh, I was arrested in a stolen car that I genuinely didn't know was stolen. And that's like almost what makes the story better is it's like, I, this guy asked me to drive a car. I don't even remember his name. Um, and I was like, cool. All right. So we were going to get drugs and I get pulled over in the stolen car. And it was like, it all just like, cause had he told me the car was stolen, I wouldn't have drove it, but I didn't even know. And that's like, for me, like God was looking out for me. Like that moment, and then I got taken to jail, and that's how my sobriety journey started. I only did 30 days in there, but I had already been like just praying like this is going to be it. That was like that moment for me it was right in the backseat of the car, driving up to my grandfather's funeral, um, you know, and just breaking my mom's heart. She didn't say a word to me the rest of that drive, and it was like an hour and 20 minutes.
0: That's powerful. That, wow, yeah. that It, it brings me chilled a little bit because I, I feel like a lot of people have, similar stories right there like it gets to a point where it's like i've heard similar stories with my dad and i have a cousin who went through the same stuff who's who's not with us anymore and and things like that like it it gets more extreme than i think most people realize right like your your life i'm sure you have stories that were the same as a lot of movie scripts could be made out of just because of the utter chaos that comes from it which it's crazy man like that that leads into like, how did you go from that? Like, I'd love to hear the gap. So how did you go from that starting to get sober? Now, seems like you're running very successful business. You, are, you have a, a son, congratulations on that, by the way, being a dad. You can, yeah, I can tell that means a lot to you just by following along to your content too. So it's super cool to be able to see that. Like, where, like, where did that start to form for you? Obviously, it's been about eight, nine years now, but like, as you got out of rehab and started, developing like where did those two things start to collide to where you start like what was that first job out of rehab and how did it kind of lead to to where you're at now and and what you're doing today
1: yeah no for sure yeah so I did the 30 days in jail and at that point my parents had spent um a lot of money um tens and tens of thousands of dollars on training centers and um you know I'd been to jail a lot during that time and it was uh you know so I got out I only did 30 days in jail. The charges were dropped. Um, long story behind that. So I wasn't anticipating getting out. And, um, you know, normally when I would get out, I would call my drug friends. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom. And she was like, oh, I hope you were going to do longer. And she said, I, I, <laughs> I won't take you. Um, I, we can, you can't come home. We don't trust you. She said, but I'll take you to an AA meeting. And so, you know, I'd been going in and out of AA rooms for a long time. And so she dropped me off and it was December 20th and it was a cold, cold winter here in Utah and, and, um, dropped me off at a meeting. And after the meeting, everyone's, everyone was leaving and I'm standing outside like shivering. And this guy said, Hey, do you need a ride? And I said, I sure do, but I have nowhere to live. And this guy, uh, much to his, he was not super pleased about it, but he said, Hey, come stay on my couch. Um, he said, but don't steal from me. And that guy ended up letting me rent uh, a room in his basement. And he said, the only way you can stay here though, is if you go get a job right now. I'm like, you got to start paying. Me. Um, and so I got a job waiting tables. It was the only place that would hire me. I was a convicted felon. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a car, so I had to take uh, you know, I tried to take my bike there one day and I slipped all over the ice cause it was freezing and so I had to start taking the bus and it was this level of humility that I needed. And so I started waiting tables um, and I was picking up any shift I could. My life, my life was, I went to the gym. I went to two or three meetings a day because I had nothing else to do. And I worked at nights um, waiting tables. And that's what I did um, for like that first 60 days. Uh, and during that time I bumped. And again, this is like, you know, I tell people, I'm not a religious guy, but definitely a spiritual guy. Like. You know, just God, there's no, there's no, there's no coincidences. You know, they say, it's not odd, it's God. And like, I ran into my old boss at the only nutrition coaching company I'd worked at. And I'm probably 60 or 90 days sober at this point. And, uh, and I bumped into him and I had quit that place when I had had a relapse before uh, I was. Start, I had six months sober, and then I started relapsing, and I quit the job before they could fire me because I knew how this was going to go down. I knew it was going to get worse. I knew I was going to stop showing up, so I lied, said I had some family emergency, so I bump into this guy, and he's like, why are you waiting table? Man, That I was so bummed when you kind of just abruptly quit, and I was like, yeah, well, I got to be honest with you, man. I didn't have a family emergency. I'm a drug addict. I've got 90 days sober. Um, I was addicted to heroin, and, and I just didn't know how to tell you guys. And I was like, "Well, I'm never getting a job with this guy." And he said, "Huh? Well, dude, I'm, good job. Congratulations on being clean. Let's get. you want to come back and work for me?" It was just like everything aligned, and wow. so he gave me a job, and I started coaching. And coaching takes a while to pick up some clients, mm-hmm. but um, but I grinded and I hustled and I kept that that uh, the job at Iggy's waiting tables. So I was building up a clientele, and uh, and it just took off from there. And it, it was um, it was very interesting how. You there? You there?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good.
1: Was this still recording?
0: I believe so, yeah. Your phone just started going off, but but uh, it, it kept going. You're good. Did it freeze on your end?
1: Yeah, it did, but we'll just minimize the whole screen. Sorry, you got some editing, too. No, you're uh, good,
0: bro. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I
1: thought your call dropped. So, I remember where I was going.
0: Um, you're talking about you were working at Iggy's, and the guy... Um, oh, And the coat, the, your boss gave you back the job and whatnot. That's kind of where you were headed with it.
1: Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Uh, So I started kind of building up a clientele and, and it takes a while, you know, it's a grind and uh, I did whatever, you know, I had to do and I kept that job and I was, you know, eventually was able to move out of that guy's little teeny room with my mattress on the floor. It was very humble beginnings. During that time, I bought a two door car. There was really a one door because the passenger side would not open. Uh, so I hung out with a girl one night and I literally had to tell her, you got to jump through the front. It was so embarrassing. I bought it for 500 bucks, but that dude, it was just like one chip at a time. I started doing this and, um, and I was probably about six months sober and i got done with a, with a client and she looked at me and she started crying. She just said, thank you. You've changed my life in more ways than you know. This is so much deeper than just nutrition for me. It's, Building self confidence again and um, liking who I am. And I got a little emotional and she left. And I remember I was so filled with this feeling that I had not felt before. And it turns out that feeling was called gratitude. And for 28 years of my life to that point, I didn't know what gratitude felt like because in that moment, I was, it was everything I'd been looking for in a pill, a bottle, a needle was that feeling. I was on cloud nine. Like I felt so alive and I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is what gratitude is, which is crazy. 28 years old and I've never felt it. And it was it was, what started to drive me. Like at that point is when I was like, I'm diving full blown into this coaching thing. I quit my job at Iggy's at the, at the restaurant. And I said, I'm going all in on this coaching thing. Like I want that feeling um, all the time. And it was really a really defining moment too for me. Even in my sobriety, because you know, even though yeah, I was getting paid to help this woman, I realized just how good it felt to be making a positive impact on somebody, not a negative one.
0: That's cool. That's a a, a cool flip. I I totally get that. Where the majority of your life, you were kind of like the nuisance or the negative aspect to everything, and now. Totally flips around, and now you're impacting people on a positive note. That's a that's a really cool way to um, to look at it. So, like your coaching, did it start in person, like with your nutrition coaching? Like, is that how it still works for you today? Do you work with people like on an in-person basis with nutrition consulting, or is it all just based online?
1: You know, it's a mix of both, and so I guess that's I can cool. really kind of answer your question. So, uh, at this, uh, how it kind of took off to where it's at today was. Um, we, uh, I'm backtracking a little, sorry, you asked me kind of, how did I get to where you're at today? And I kind of ended the story at six months, but, um, I worked at this place and I built up a really good clientele. It was almost all in person. So, um, you know, and it was a lot of, um, the, the, the deeper I dove into nutrition, um, the more certifications I got, the more I started to look at this, I didn't really agree with the messaging at that place. And it was, um, you know, we were doing a lot of strict meal plans and not really taking into play like the whole picture, um, you know, about metabolism. And they they were really strict on us having to do it kind of one set way. It was like a glorified Jenny Craig, really. It's like I was stuck in this box. And I could use my own little creative intelligence, but I was like the structure, they wanted it to be straight across the board. And so people would come in, we were so hyper focused on weight, body fat inches, And I started to, to not like that and it started to go against my core message. So I started getting the idea that like, maybe I should leave. And then the instant fear kicked in, almost like the same fear when I thought about trying to get sober prior to that, you know, it was like, no, you can't do that. No, no, it's way too scary. You don't know how to do it. You don't have a business. You're not, you're not a business guy. You're just a nutrition coach. You don't know how to do this. And that went on for a little bit. And then again, God kind of works in funny ways or whoever's in charge up there. Because this guy that had gave me that job back, turns out he had a closet pain pill addiction and, or a prescription pill addiction, everything from Xanax to who knows. And, um, it started to take him down pretty quick. And like he was managing it for a number of years and we had no clue. And then it started to take over and this guy started, um, it was just all the drug addict behaviors. I mean, we stopped getting paid. Like we could, our checks wouldn't clear. And so I was like, well, there's my sign. I've been wanting to leave anyways. And so, I, uh, on a whim, I just, you know, I just decided to start key nutrition and, and went after it and it was scary. It was frightening. I, the only things I knew about business was from watching uh, shark tank and listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. That's it. Like, I didn't know anything.
0: How long ago was this? Just,
1: said, what? When was this? How long ago? 2000. Uh, so it January, 2017. So we're coming up on four years.
0: Oh, cool. Very cool.
1: And so I jumped into it and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that I'd gotten sober and I had no clue how I was going to do that, but it seemed to uh, be working at that point. And so uh, I built, and so we have an in-person facility and, uh, you know, at first, um, and I would say probably still, you know, my personal business is probably uh, 65, 75% Uh, virtual and strictly online virtual appointments. I do much like we're doing in a a fashion right now with the zoom call. Um, And then just strictly online is obviously just online. And then about 25% of my clients still in person. Those are ones who just live locally real close. There's just no really point besides testing their body fat. Like there's no point in having a facility with coaching on macros and, um, but some of them still like to come in. And so, yeah, we do, but the majority of our business has generally gotten a lot more virtual because, you know, I have clients all over the the country and even a few across the world. So mm-hmm.
0: That's cool, man. That's that's really cool. What I like about your style too, and especially inside of your content is you definitely touch on the science and talk about the why behind things, but I really appreciate the way that you and I try to do the same is touch on um the deeper root of fat loss right like so many people want to end it at calorie deficit and periodizing your intake and whatnot which it's all really really important stuff that um, needs to be implemented right but nobody wants to talk about the mental side of it as well that comes along with that and the struggle Um, of the mental side of things of realizing it's probably going to take longer than you want it to you are probably going to plateau at times your motivation is going to get crushed at particular times you probably are going to want to quit at times different just different things like that that nobody wants to talk to you about until you're in their program and then you're faced with it after you've already committed where you will talk about it in your content beforehand which I feel like is very important to do which a lot of people won't really touch on. So I'd love to get your insight a little bit on that. Like when you bring somebody into your program or to work with you personally, like what are the things mentally that that you're queuing them up for, like outside of just the science of things, right? Like when it comes to that mental aspect of it, where like what mindset shifts are you trying to help people make to get to where they want to be with their body compositions?
1: Yeah, no. And I love that you hit on that. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, when I hop on like, a, you know, a free evaluation, some people call them discovery calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always like to, it's a chance for me to vet out the client. I mean, much more now for me to vet out the client just where I'm at in my career. Sure. But for them to vet me out, absolutely. They should be vetting me out. Um, you know, before it was just for them to vet me out because I would have taken anybody. I'm like, you sound like the most difficult human alive. I'll take you. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> we and, all start some, We all start there, right?
1: Yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting uh, that you say that because when I bring them on, uh, like in that call, you know, I say I say something along these lines. I say something like, "Hey, listen, I'm selling you the most unsexy message out there because I'm going to tell you." This is not going to be as fast as you want it to. I can already tell you that. I'm not sure the the, the rare outlier. Um, you know, this is going to be rather simple. I'm a Coach who keeps it simple, but it's going to be hard to execute at times. And um, we're, we're not, this isn't a program where you're going to lose five pounds a week, week after week. Like, I'm going to take into play your metabolism and doing diet breaks and times where you're paying me to just track maintenance calories. Mm-hmm. and I'm a coach who's going to talk about the, this as a four-legged chair of fitness. I really believe it. Like sitting on a chair, you've got the physical fitness, and that's why you're paying me. That's why you think you're paying me, It's just for this. And then we got your emotional fitness, your emotional health, your spiritual health, and, and, your, and your mental health. And I said, well, I'm not a therapist. I'm going to try to talk about all areas because if one gets super wobbly, that chair just gets a little more uncomfortable. If one falls off completely, you're like, this is really hard to balance on. You know, and so if, and if two fall off, you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. And so I always preface that and I let them know like, I'm gonna, I'm a, I don't, am you know, I'm gonna talk about like, what are you doing for your spiritual health? Maybe that's something in a particular religion they belong to, or maybe that's just with, uh, you know, nourishing their spirit by doing gratitude stuff or, you know, um, meditation, contemplation, journaling, writing, reading, any of these kind of things. So I always preface that to them before starting, because I want to make sure they know that if they want a coach that's just going to talk about macros and training, I've got some great people I can refer you to, but I like to take a very well-rounded approach. And so uh, the people end up committing by me telling them, hey, this is not going to be a quick process. However long you think it's going to take at double that amount of time, Mm because that's the reality. I've seen this way too many times to tell you. We're going to do this in in an intelligent, responsible way, which means we're not going to have crazy drops every single week. Um, We're going to do it very responsibly. And so if you're up for that, let's do it. And that's a hard sell. Like, I'm not like, oh, check out this before and after in 12 weeks, you're going to be shredded. Like, I'm like, no, like, it's going to take way longer than you think. And it's going to be harder. But the good news is I'm going to keep it very simple for you. But the execution is why it's hard. And why do you think that is? And, you know, and I'll, I'll usually just, if they don't answer it, I'll say, because it's the mental and emotional part of this makes it hard because the plan I'm going to give you is actually simple to execute. So why is it hard then? Well, because mentally or emotionally it becomes hard because I have these different disordered relationships with food or myself or self-limiting beliefs. I'm like, cool. Okay. So that's why we're going to really emphasize these two. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I love that you talk about that as well.
0: Yeah. What, um, what specific areas of that would you say that you see come up most often? Like I would imagine most of your clients, um, f- like middle-aged females, a lot of fat loss clients, that genre. Is that fair to say? Like, do you work with a lot of that type of client?
1: Like oh, Like yeah. moms,
0: a lot of moms. Sure. Yeah. So, like, same with me. A good majority of the of people that I work with on nutrition are, are similar to, to you. So, where, where would you say, like, the biggest struggles that people, when they come in to begin working with you, where are they banging their head against the wall that they might not be realizing it? like in terms of that mental aspect of things. Does that make sense? That like, so people from here that can take some some practical advice, like just to build some awareness around themselves. Because I feel like that's where most people are going wrong is not having that awareness around the actions they're actually putting forth. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um It's a good question. You know, I see a lot of, um I think I, you know, a couple of the things that probably tie into this. I see a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's number one, but I see a lot of people pleasing aspects coming in. The, I work with a lot of moms, so their job is to take care of all these people mm-hmm. and like kind of forgetting to take care of themselves. And tr- in an interesting way, especially with moms, trying to get them to realize that being selfish on this area of their life. Is actually one of the most selfless things they can do because when they start feeling better about themselves physically and they have more energy and they feel more vibrant and they're more mentally clear and they're not having huge sugar crashes they're probably going to be more patient with their kids they'll have more energy to run around with them you know they'll show up better as a wife all these things by taking that simple time to be selfish i talk about i think you need to learn to be myopically selfish on the things that when done they benefit everyone else example I watch, um, I'm a big sports fan. I watch, I'm a crazy uh, Utah Utes fan. Um, This year has been a little rough already, (laughs) but uh, I watch those games and you're not, you're not getting me off the TV. I DVR them so I can fast forward through the commercials. I I, I bragged about that. I didn't miss a single play last year. I don't know if that's something to brag about. (laughs) Um, Literally not a single down. Like I I watched every single. And that does not help me show up better for my loved ones around me. If we win, it does. But when we lose, I'm a dick. And like, so I know that me taking that time, it's not bad, but it's just kind of being selfish on the things that I like to do, which again, isn't bad. Three hours once a week, I'm pretty selfish. Now, but like me being selfish on making sure that I'm, uh, you know, getting my, my workouts in and I'm eating correctly and I'm doing a morning routine You know, being really myopically selfish on those things is actually very selfless because I show up better for everyone around me when I feel better. So, for all the guys who work for me, uh, you know, to my child. And so, really trying to get people to shift and go, no, no, it's okay to be selfish on those things that on the back end is going to help you be a way better person, you know? And it's sometimes okay to be selfish on the stuff that doesn't, like watching football. That's part of my passion and it's part of my balance in my life. But and, and another thing is just a lot of self-limiting beliefs, you know, and, and that's a bigger one to tackle. And it takes a lot of time where you really have to start seeing some wins and realizing, oh, I can do this and little bits at a time, but people come in, like they'll tell us say, okay, so kind of what are your goals? Why are you here? Well, you know, I'd like to lose, um, you know, I'd like to get back down to like where I was when I got married. Let's say this was 10 years ago. Um, where I got married 10 years ago, which is like 25 pounds down. But I know like a lot's changed in 10 years and I probably can't bed down to that because I've had two kids and they're already making excuses for why they couldn't Mm -hmm. achieve a goal they wanted. And so really trying to help them reframe that. But the the hard part about that, and even I've talked to to life coaches like Jody, it's a very slow grind to start getting those self-limiting beliefs and start getting more self-confidence to come because it takes doing the correct action the right action, seeing the reward from it, starting to believe in yourself a little more, it's really this compound effect. So probably those two things are like two that come out right in my head, but there's a million other.
0: Absolutely. I think that those two are super important, especially that first one when you're talking about um, a lot of moms with families and kids, right? I see that one all the time, the feeling of guilt for taking, taking time away from the home to go to the gym and and spend a little bit of time for yourself or having to adjust dinners for the rest of your family too, right? Because if you're going to start paying more attention to your nutrition and you're cooking for the rest of the family, well, now the rest of the family's going to have to pay a little bit more attention to their nutrition as, um, as well as a subsequent of that. And then like just the, the fight that that can bring on with, with husbands or the, the guilt that that can bring into your own mind as you think you're spending more time focusing on yourself rather than, focusing on others when just like you said, if you'll take that time for yourself as men, I feel like that might be a, a general statement, but I feel like we're not as opposed to do that. We're more likely to, to take that time for ourselves. And maybe maybe that statement's not correct, but in, in my situation, like me and my wife, I see myself more, more likely just to take that time and, and step away than, than my wife will. So um, I think it's super important to remember and to, as a coach, to put that into those types of ladies as well that are struggling with that sort of thing. I think that that's super important, man. But, um, but for you, like your story is, is really cool, man. Just sitting here listening to the first whole half of of you going off on your story and whatnot. Like, I really appreciate you doing that. Like as you're talking and whatnot, it kind of brings chills to me because it, it brings home. Um, it just is reminiscent of issues that, I've had with family and with cousins and with my dad and stuff. So it's all really cool, man. And I really appreciate that. And just hearing your story and where you've kind of come from and where you're at now, I think is super inspirational. And it just goes to show for anybody out there, regardless of where you're at, what's happening, if it's with your body composition or if it's with your career or just your life, if it's not where you want it to be, taking those little steps first Um, even no matter how daunting they are or whatever it may be, or you feeling like it's not going to work out, but just taking those first steps is really the first step to ultimately end up getting to where you want to be. And you're not in control of what happens, but you are in control of giving an effort right up front. Right. And it's so, so important, man.
1: Yeah, no. And um, thank you for that. The kind words, you know, it's, uh, I always tell people we're we're just in the action business. We can't always be in the result. Usually we can go okay if we do set action, you know, A plus B is gonna equal C. Let's hope. And and you know if you do this and this, a lot of times it works out, and then sometimes it doesn't. Just life outside of just nutrition. But I'm just in the action business. I leave the results kind of up to up to whatever you know the universe, God, Um, and you know it's interesting being so open about. You know, do you know the rapper Macklemore?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I feel like Macklemore sometimes. He made a whole album after his relapse kind of talking about he made his sobriety so public there's no privacy and like and it's yeah. very well known that, that I'm, I'm in recovery i'm sober and i talk about that and i've had people say doesn't that ever put some pressure on you and and the answer is no like in anything it's added extra incentive and it would be a tragedy if i went through 10 years of, of drug abuse, IV heroin, methamphetamine, ending up on the streets of last year for a whole year, like a full blown junkie to building a, um, a business that's m- more successful than I could have ever pictured to having a life that I could have never pictured and not being open about that. Because it, what I, if you would have told me, I had the life I have today, eight years ago, I would ask you what dope you were on because you were high. Like there was no way. And people well, how did you get there? And I'm like one little, one little chip at a time. One little chip at a time. Y'all never forget when I found out my credit score, when I was going through the 12 steps and you get to a part where you're making amends and part of that is a financial amends. And I, I literally was like, is that good? Five, 500 seems like a high number. And they're like, no, so that's horrible. And then I found out how much debt I had because apparently when you take out $200 payday loans, you have to pay them back. Don't. <laughs> no, they end up at $2,000. And hospital bills, overdoses, you name it. Now I'm, I have a 780 credit score and that didn't come by just like, it was one little thing that I started paying things off. I started making money probably into my, my, my first year in like sobriety into coaching. I started making like okay money and I was broke because I made a commitment that I was going to pay off all this restitution over the course of that year and, um, and I did it and thank God for a sponsor who advised me to do that and they said, you'll be so glad you did. And it's just like as a coach being like, "Hey, I know this takes sacrifice right now, but you're going to be so glad you did." And so it just came one little bit at a time. Like it's always the seemingly small things that always make the big. I was looking for the big, sexy things in my and it was like, "Pay off this little bill," you know, "Show up to another meeting, try to help somebody else out, write a gratitude." But it was just like little, small things. And before I know it, like, build a business that does over a million dollars in revenue a year, and I literally. Somebody's have to pinch myself and be like, holy crap, um, how did this happen? And then I think back and it's like one little thing at a time. And there was a lot of losses along the way. There was the amount of money I spent and lost when I first opened the business because I didn't know what I was doing. And uh when I finally got a business coach that helped me like streamline it, man, like I looked back at all the money and I was pissed at first. And then I realized, no, that's how you learn. Yeah. It's just like absolutely. when a client goes through a, a transformation journey, they get to their goal. And then they, they go off the chain once they're finished with their coach. They gain all the way back and they come back with the tail between their legs, but they learned. They learned a lot about what not to do next time and to do a proper reverse diet and to do some maintenance check ins and to actually track maintenance calories. They learn. And, and generally, that next time we can get to a better place if they're ready. And so it's just, it's, um, it's crazy to me where my life is at today. And I don't take that for granted because you know i it wasn't supposed to be like this for me
0: yeah just like like i would take it as like it's kind of your responsibility to tell that story right it's kind of your responsibility to tell that story so that others who are in that similar situation to to where you were at at one time know that there can be that light at the end of the tunnel if you're willing to to put in the work to and not be guaranteed that that the result's going to come but again chip away at it each day it's the same thing as hitting your macros each day it's 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 the same concept at the end of the day the little work day in and day out to get to the the big result in the end that you might not be able to see right up front but um i don't want to take up too much more of your time and one generic question that i ask everybody and for you i think it will be pretty interesting is like the last eight years of your life seem like they've been a whirlwind right like from I mean, you could say from rags to riches. So like in the next five to 10 years, where are you headed? Like, what do you want to have happen? Are you good with just staying with key nutrition and just um, chilling like at the top of that business? Like, is there something else that you have in mind that you're shooting for yourself? Like, where, where are you going? Like, what's your purpose moving forward? Uh,
1: That's a good question. And, and, you know, it's interesting because. I don't really have any. um, I didn't have a five year plan to get here. And so, uh, you know, and for me, I'm the furthest thing from type A. I really do well at kind of like, just kind of like, uh, you know, my sister always jokes that I just fly by the seat of my pants and somehow it's done. <laughs> it's a little more strategic than it appears sometimes. Sure. But I don't know, but I can tell you this is that I've made a big pivot and, um, and you know, I I started a course called the Next Level Experience. Which I saw is, that
0: that looked yeah. I, your video for that looked awesome on on Instagram. It looked really Thanks, cool, man. What yeah. I did, I
1: took the principles of some of the steps that really helped me of the twelve steps that helped me get a life, and I linked up with uh, my friends Kevin and Alti. Kevin is one of the smartest dudes with the neuroscience of the brain, and Alti's in, and um she does energy work, which I thought was super woo woo till I had her do some on me, and it was crazy cool, like really really cool experiences so we're applying some of the principles that i learned in recovery to get to get and and to get a life and then with some of the energy work and then some of the education on how our brain works and so that's been really cool we're in our first full iteration and uh still learning a lot like i'm also gonna do a group coaching uh, nutrition program and scale down the amount of one-on-one clients i have um I want to do a lot of cool things. And so I I pivoted in my business a little where my guys have a lot more of their, I'm not getting as much money off them, but they're kind of a little more supposed to do their own work. I'm not as involved as managing them day to day. I'm giving them more responsibility now to kind of, you know, get their own clients, but they're also making a lot more money. I'm making less, but I don't have to oversee them as much. And I did that so I could start opening up different avenues, like the next level experience, like a group coaching where I could really pull my heart and do it. And, you know, I don't know what the next five to 10 years brings, but I can tell you that, uh, I'm loving every minute of it. And I just, I try to be a very intuitive guy. Like, um, you know, I don't know what my life looks like five years from now, but I can tell you that I would be shocked if it was the exact same, if we didn't interview, because I just believe the human evolution process is always kind of uh, growing and changing. And I think there's one thing at my core is that I'll always be some, tor- I'll always be doing some sort of coaching. I Absolutely. love it. I'm doing some business coaching now, mentoring guys that are already nutrition coaches, trying to help them find their message, find their content uh, message, how to produce content, you know, how, how, how do we, you know, wind up their prices. And that's been really fun. And so I don't know where the next five years brings, but I can tell you that, um, I want to keep evolving. And keep evolving. And yes, part of that is, is financially, but also um if I do the same thing for too long and I don't feel like there's any growth, I get really stuck and I don't like that feeling.
0: One hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I'd say like not having a certain plan, but just listening to you and whatnot, like you're headed wherever your your purpose is and wherever you're supposed to to be headed, it it sounds like you're headed there, if that makes any sense. But no, uh, dude, hundred
1: percent. Like I I you know, I'm I have a, I have a deep relationship with, with what I choose to call God and it might look different than what other people do. But, and I just believe that as long as I'm staying in tune there and I connect every morning, like I'll just be guided in the right spots, just like throughout my whole sobriety and throughout this whole journey of starting a business and growing it. I've just, I've led with that and it's always guided me in the right ways, you know?
0: No, I absolutely, I absolutely love that too, man. I I think that that's really powerful and, and, could help a lot of people too. Like you ask somebody a generic question like that, Where are you going to be in five years. You don't have to have an exact answer, but as long as you're shooting for progress and trying to be better than who you were today, that's what, that's what really matters. Right. So I couldn't agree yeah. anymore, man. I like that answer. Um, again, I don't want to take up too much of more of your time, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and being vulnerable and, and talking about, um, all the shit that you've been through in your life. Cause like I said, I think it's super valuable for other people to be able to hear about too, because it can just be beneficial for people to see you could start from literally anywhere and, and, and be as successful as you want to be. So where can people find all of your stuff? Like you talk about those new programs and whatnot that you're doing, where would you like people to go from this, from this podcast to be able to to link up and see the different things that you offer, offer and just be able to connect?
1: Yeah, man. Um, I'm on Instagram at the sober bodybuilder, all one word. Um, you know, find me on there. would love for you to follow me on there. And then our podcast is the key nutrition podcast. Um, and our website is keynutrition.com. Um, if you want to check any of that out, the website, uh, for the official next level experience is being built right now, should be finished within a couple of weeks, maybe a month. So there'll be a link on the key nutrition website, to direct you directly to that, uh, to that new website. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's the platforms you're going to find me, the podcast and, uh, Instagram, you can connect with me on Facebook. I just might not write back for a while because I'm not super (laughs) active on there. And it's just Brad Jensen. So
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you, brother. Appreciate having me on.